This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Episode 13 of Five on Three, FUV's comeback podcast of the year, self-proclaimed. Um, same crew we've had for about, it seems like a f- months three months. Now, yeah. yeah, months. But uh, we're switching up a little bit. I'm Jackson Heil, uh, replacing Matt Constantini, who just simply hasn't gotten the job done. Man, I got, I got whoa, demoted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got put down on like, the fourth line. I lost my power play time. <laughs> I, I might get traded. Yeah, Who knows? You've gone from top line center going to on the trade block. <laughs> potential healthy scratch soon. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Jackson Heil, Matt Constantini, Nicholas Lehman bringing you another episode on 5 on 3. And we got a lot for you today. We'll do our usual locals who have been in varying spots of late. The Devils won four straight last week who just continued to perform after I trashed them like Just usual. when we thought they were out. Yeah, just just they when I said hold us back in. Just when I said last week that they wouldn't be a playoff team, they kind of just burst back onto the scene and we'll get into the Islanders somehow having two shutouts this week, facing ninety five shots in two games, but <laughs> they're lurking on a playoff spot. And the Rangers who made a trade today with Nick Holden, we'll get into that a little later. And a potential AV firing coming soon, whether that will happen or not. And then we'll get into our trade deadline primer. We had a few trades this week, including Peter Morazic and the Dion Phaneuf for Marion Gabrick swap, which we'll get into. And then we'll talk about some potential rental pieces that could be moved. Maybe some surprise players like Oliver Ekman Larson and Eric Carlson, potentially two guys from the Rangers and Ryan McDonough and Matt Zuccarello. And then which teams potentially make the biggest splash. So let's get right into it now with the Devils. As I mentioned, four wins in a row last week. They win two over the Hurricanes, who were the team behind them, which could have been a big point swing had they lost those games. And I think the biggest thing, as you guys are both big Devils guys, they're finally getting some balanced scoring. I mean, Taylor Hall kind of carried the load. He's on an 18-game point streak, but... Taylor Hall for MVP. I want it. I need it. (laughs) We'll get into that argument and potentially his case in just a moment, but... You mentioned guys like Pavel Zaka potentially getting involved. He has two goals this weekend. He's looked so much better recently, and I'm so happy to finally see it. it he went from a guy that just wasn't being given any opportunities to being a real focal point on the penalty kill and the second-line power play time. I mean, he's he's been a guy, and Nick, I'll give, throw this over to you in a moment. I mean, former top 10 pick overall, he, he's a guy that has loads of potential, and Honestly, I think that's one of, been one of Hines' biggest mistakes this year is not giving him more playing time. And listen, he has struggled, but he's a young kid who's only going to get better with the reps, and I, th- I think he really showed that this week. I think, I think finally because this is a player who had so much potential coming out of the draft, and now is only, we're only starting to finally see that about three years in. Uh, when as Some people expect him to come first year out of the draft and start producing for the Devils. That didn't happen, but... Now, finally, towards the end of the season, kind of becoming his own for once. But I think that took maturing. That took not just playing time maturing, but, you know, being healthy scratched a few games. I think, you know, even healthy scratched can be a help to any player sometimes. Kind of reset, rethink. I know that happened with John Moore. That definitely helped him. Happened with Will Butcher this weekend, too. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, fair, he's been playing, like, every game so far this season, and... I was reading, it was in the the last uh, game against the Hurricanes on, I think it was, what, Sunday? Yeah, it was yep. on Sunday. Yes. 
and Hines was like, look, the Hurricanes are the least penalized team in the league, so we don't really need our power play quarterback tonight, so we'll just give him a night off for a little bit of rest. But like you were saying, um, the healthy scratches, John Hines is not afraid to healthy scratch anyone. I mean, no. he like you mentioned, he was he scratched uh, John Moore, he scratched Will Butcher, he scratched Damon Severson, who signed that massive contract extension this season, just to show, like, hey, if you guys aren't getting it done you can sit and somebody else will, and mm-hmm. he's not afraid to do that, and I give him a lot of credit for that, and it's and it's resonating with these guys. They're like, hey, this isn't like it was before when we're a bad team destined for the lottery. We want to make a playoff push, so we need to be better. Yeah, and only one guy has played every game for the Devils this year, and that's ironically enough, Nico Heischer, former number one overall pick. He was sensational mm-hmm. this week, four My goals, son. three assists. <laughs> Apparently your son, as you like to say. How important is his development going forward in terms of the Devils' playoff success? Because really the only guy you've been getting goal production and scoring production out of has been Taylor Hall. So you kind of need a guy in terms of he's here to be that second scorer, and he's been playing center. He did a phenomenal job this week, especially this weekend on that back-to-back with Tampa Bay and Carolina. His development has just been huge and one of the better storylines for the Devils to watch this year. It's so important, and you mentioned it. He's, right now, he's the only player that's played in every single game for the Devils this year, and I don't see that. I mean, knock on wood, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um I mean, he scored. He scored in four straight games, uh, goals in four straight games to be exact. Um, he's the Devils' second leading scorer, and right now, coming into this year's draft, all the analysts and experts were like, "Oh, there's not a generational talent. There's not a McDavid, Eichel, Matthews, Line." To be yes, to be fair, of course not. But he share is looking like a franchise top line center for the next decade and a half, hopefully. And he struggled mightily in the beginning of the year trying to catch up to a faster-paced game, a more physical game. But if you look at it, the way his playing style reminds me a lot of Patrice Bergeron. I can see him being... Ooh, that's, a, that's a hefty comparison Yeah, I mean, there. he's a guy that's not afraid to throw his body around given his size. He plays in front of the net a lot of the time. He's, a, he's really good at cleaning up rebounds, kind of just poking in that puck. And he's kind of just like a pest to be... To, to put a name on it. He's just, he flies all over the place, and I just love him so much. I think for the first time this week, Nico Hischer finally learned that he doesn't need to be afraid to shoot the puck. I mean, a lot yes. of time, he is so hesitant to shoot himself. You know, he, he'll he'll either pass it or he'll, you know, and it won't, sometimes it will go in, sometimes it won't, but he, for a long time, he was always so hesitant to shoot the puck, and now, Finally, the goals against Carolina and Tampa back-to-back looked identical. Two-on-ones, coming the other way, beats them low glove side. The exact same shot from the exact same part of the ice both times. I loved seeing that out of him. It was so important that he actually starts shooting the puck more and becomes more of a scorer than a facilitator. Finally. I mean, because that's what he was brought in to do. Yes, he did a great job with adjusting within terms of you know getting points with assists and stuff, but he was brought in to be a goal scorer, and I think for the first time this week we finally saw that. Quickly, I know we have to move on from the Devils, but where does Taylor Hall stand in the MVP race? He's probably not going to win it just because of point totals. It's probably going to go to Kucherov or someone of that ilk. But for my money, he has been the most valuable player in the NHL this year. Because if you take them off the Devils, they're they the, they're the worst team they in the league. Have mm-hmm. To be, I mean, honestly, if without Taylor Hall and his 62 points in 54 games, he hasn't even played every game this year. Right. They are absolutely the worst team in the league. Right. I mean, 
the way I j- always judge an MVP, no matter what sport, is if you were to take that player off the team, again, what would that team be? Pretty much nothing. This guy is on fire right now. 18-game goals, I mean, a point streak right now. He's got 26 points in that time. He's just carrying this team completely. Now I think finally some other actors are starting to come in and take points, but finally, like, Devils have that one great player that they needed to kind of bring them to the next level. Hard- Free Miles Wood. <laughs> that was deserving of a that was deserving of a suspension, but anyway. <laughs> Taylor Hall, hard to imagine that Peter Shirelli thought that this guy couldn't play with Connor McDavid and was expendable after, but nonetheless the they are at seventy points one. in the first wild card spot. Great Six trade. points ahead of the New York Islanders who we're gonna get into right now. I mean, really interesting week. It's kind of been the epitome of their season. They have two shutouts in which they allow a combined ninety five shots in terms of Halak making fifty saves against the Rangers and 45 for Grice against Carolina. And then you go and allow five goals on the weekend to Minnesota. Right, I believe that was yes, yesterday. Yeah, it was a mad so, day yesterday. What type, how, does this, how do you look at this performance if you're an Islander fan? Because, I mean, you can look at it. The defense has been horrible all year, but does it inspire confidence or any sort of confidence in you that they get two shutouts in a row despite the 95 shots? Or, I mean, and then you allow five goals. Where do you look at that if you're an Islanders fan right now? It's con- you. You said it the perfect way. It's the. It's how their season's gone. It's they are the <laughs> most mm-hmm. average team in the NHL. I mean, another two, another two, two and a week for them. Two wins, two losses, and just kind of staying status quo. Um, I mean, Grice went down, so that's putting more pressure on Yaro Halak, who hasn't done particularly well this year. So we're gonna have to see what they do to offset the loss of their kind of rotational goalie system right now. Um, but, yeah, I'm just not – I don't think that they're a playoff team um, just because of how deep the Metro is and how how bad the rest of the Atlantic is. So there's so many teams competing for a wildcard spot out of the Metro that they're just going to get lost in the crowd there. Yeah, it's hard to – take too much credit away from what Halak's done this year just personally because I mean you really you see the shot totals that they've allowed this year I mean it's truly remarkable how the workload that he's had to take on and you look at the Islanders team I mean they're they're tied right now with the Hurricanes for that final wild card spot Hurricanes have the one game played in advantage but I personally don't see this as a team that can buy at the deadline It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me I mean Listen, it's your last year potentially with John Tavares, who's a free agent coming July first. But Nicholas, if I if I were the Islanders, I mean, I'd personally shop Tavares and Bailey and potentially Brock Nelson, who's a restricted free agent. Do you think that they should consider being sellers at this year's deadline? I don't think they will, but I think they should because they could get quite a return on it. I mean, just because of the fact, yes, they they are like tied for that second wild card spot. But even if you do get into the playoffs. There's a small, small chance as a second wire card you're going to do anything after the first I, round. I think you had it perfectly on the note. I just, I don't see how this team could even make a run. I mean, yes, they can score goals with the best of them. I mean, Tavares, Bailey, and Matt Barzell, who's the clear Calder favorite right now, have all had sensational seasons. But I, I, I think it's pretty clear that defense wins championships. It's a common cliche, but I think it's true. And they simply just don't have it, especially without Calvin DeHaan. And even their top pair of Betty, Letty and Boychuk have really struggled. So, I mean, if I were them, I'd, I'd look to sell this year. And then 
you don't really look to compete in 2018, and you look at that 2019 free agent class to kind of retool that defense because, I mean, you look at the potential names, Ekman Larson, Drew Doughty, Ryan McDonough, Eric Carlson, and then there's centers galore there that you could replace Tavares with with a potential Pavelski guitar. I mean, Matt, you're looking at me with kind of a sort of grin on your face. I mean, I just don't know if they should sell, especially their wingers, because I feel like the likely you you said it perfectly i don't think that there's a chance a snowball's chance that they bring john Tavares back because a i don't think he wants to play there anymore and b i just don't think they can afford him but i don't think you move your talented wingers when you're just going to move matt barzell up into that top line center spot and i mean you've seen how well josh especially josh bailey who has played just phenomenally this year is a real breakout year for him I don't think you want to strip your your young franchise player of the players that will help him excel and develop and just become a better player. It's it's an interesting thought. I think Bailey's the guy you look to sell. I mean, because you get I'm you not get sure, a lot out can, of him. You get a ton for him, and I, I think it's pretty clear the reason he's been so good is number ninety one in yeah for the Islanders because I mean mm-hmm. there's really no one else. I mean, we've seen from Bale, I mean, he was good last year with Tavares, and listen, he's been sensational, but that's a guy that you could really restock the farm system potentially with the deal. We'll move on from the Islanders now. We'll shift over to the worst defense in town, ironically. It's hard to be worse than the Islanders, but the Rangers have managed to do that this year. Just three wins in their last 14 games, and the defense is atrocious. There's no other real way to put it. I mean... Even with even before they lost Shattenkirk and McDonough, I mean, this team has struggled so tremendously. And listen, it doesn't hurt that Henrik Lundqvist hasn't played well lately, but he's been burned out completely. You can't, seven they, goals against the Flyers doesn't help. I mean, all you, seven. You can't you can't leave your 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 goalie out to dry. And listen, he's he's a 35 year old who's played the most games in the NHL this year. I mean, it's a true problem. Question for you guys: There was a Swedish source that put out that Elaine Vigneault would be fired before the Thursday game against Montreal. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to, whether that's valid or not, my question is, should he have been fired by now? We were talking about this on our travels back to school yesterday yep. from the from the holiday weekend, and I look at it two ways. One, you I don't really think you can blame him for all the injuries that have occurred this season, and just his team being old and not that good anymore. But on the other hand, there are some things that he could have done within the season to help facilitate this team kind of transitioning into a new era of Ranger hockey, getting away from the guys like the Nashes and the Zuccarellos and things like that and kind of putting more emphasis on guys like Zibanejad and other younger players. So I never like to say that a coach should be fired when his team is underperforming, and it's very obviously not his fault. But I think it's just time for a change of scenery at the Garden, and unfortunately it's going to be Elaine Vigneault's head on the chopping block. Earlier in the season we were talking about Vigneault possibly being uh, fired because of the terrible start they had. And now here we are again talking about it. I mean, they probably, if they really wanted to, they probably could have done it earlier in the season. I remember there was like one game right right in that like first 10 game span where if he didn't team didn't win that game he was probably out and here we are again talking about it so that was the, uh, I the, think it was the always going to be game against Vegas that right there was, that they just managed to win if he's winner you're fired basically basically and that's quite a tough game to be winner you're fired but but they did pull it off so i th- i think it was always going to happen sometime throughout the season 
I mean, when it's going to happen, who knows? It could even be the end of the season if it's not uh, coming up. I think like it'll be week. after the trade deadline and they get rid of all these guys. It could very that's well fair. be. fair. I think if they would have fired him in season, probably would have happened by now. That, that's the one thing because, I mean, you mentioned the horrible start they had. And right. And obviously, you look at now, I mean, thing is, listen, they're, 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 they're going to be in a rebuilding mode for the rest of the season, but it gets to a point where the losses have been so bad that something's got to change. I mean, they've gotten blown out by Toronto, Nashville, Boston, the Islanders, Ottawa, Even and Philly. Ottawa. And that so that's all that's all in the last eighteen days. So it, it's gotten to the point where I think there just needs to be a new voice in the room, mm-hmm. and it doesn't exactly fit. Quickly before we transition to our full trade deadline talk, Nick Holden goes to Boston today for a third round pick, and Rob O'Gara, ironically native of Man- Manhasset, so he gets to come home and meet eat some more All American Burger. If you've ever been to Long Island, that's the famous burger place in Massapequa. We'll move on from that. But <laughs> do you like the trade? Do you not really care about it? Is it not all that big? I, I've never been a big Nick Holden guy. I think that he's always just kind of there, and he never really has done anything that impressive. But I mean, last season he put up a lot of points, but that's a product of the team. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't think he's that good. He's he's just a guy for Boston to throw on their third pair and kind of shore up that, that bottom pair defensive team. Um, but yeah, I kind of moving on, like getting more into a big scope for the Rangers trade deadline, I'm a little confused as to why there haven't been more, I wouldn't say overall trades happening with this team, but at least rumors of guys moving, and I think that's a product of them overvaluing these guys and overvaluing the market. I mean, we were talking about it before the show, some people think that Rick Nash can get you a a good roster player, a first-round pick, and a prospect, and I just don't think he's that guy anymore. I don't think that he's worth that much to anyone. To be fair, I don't think Nash's value is that high, or that's not what they're seeking. I think it's more of a first-round pick and a top prospect, which, again, it's still high. But I'm not willing to say that the Rangers are looking, because that, that, you're just getting overzealous at that point. So the Holden trade, going back to that quickly, I, I don't... It, it, listen, they got a good return for him, no question. I don't like they moved him to Boston, because that kind of takes away a potential bidding war between Boston and Tampa Bay for Ryan McDonough. Who's does it? I think it would. I mean, they have no they have no need for a left handed defenseman now, and it, that I just I just don't think it makes all that much sense for Boston to go after McDonough right now. Well, no matter what, I think it anything helps Boston's defense. They 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 just get more help on the back end. Yeah, no, it's Holden's not a bad a trade guy. on Boston's end. Um, he's still going to produce. He's still going to make Boston better defensively, no matter what. But. I think it does take away that battle between Tampa and Boston, though, because probably McDonald was the better player of the two, but oh, clear, clearly, well, clearly. <laughs> but <laughs> now, now Tampa's probably going to be going much harder for him, and that'll put I think Tampa at a bigger advantage. Yeah, Holden will fit in nicely on that third pair, so to speak. We had, did have some other trades this week. Peter Barazic yesterday going to the Flyers for a conditional third and fourth round pick. Matt's not in his head. No, he clearly doesn't like it. Listen, Morazic's okay. He he's he's had his struggles. He looked like a top end goaltender a few years ago, it's and just, then lost his job to Jimmy Howard again. It's it just it's just interesting to see like how his value has really taken a massive hit of late. But honestly, I I don't mind this too much for Philly. I mean, they Brian, had to do it. Brian Elliott's been banged up. Neuvirth got hurt as well, and the Flyers GM called it a reward for the players. I think overall it can't hurt you 
No. In any way. No, absolutely. I mean, they really had no choice but to go after a goalie. I'm sure they would have liked to have made a bigger splash in the goaltending market. I know that they were thinking about Robin Lehner, but he just went down with an injury, so obviously couldn't do that. And I guess Mrazek was the only guy available. And, I mean, we we were talking about it. I just don't think that he's that good and he doesn't do that much for the Flyers. Um, obviously he's an NHL goaltender better than their AHL guy that they call that they've been calling up and down throughout the season. So obviously he's better than replacement level, but I mean, Wayne Simmons also just went down for mm-hmm. a few weeks. So I'm looking at this Flyers team and I think that they're going to fall out of at least the divisional spot and maybe even a wild card spot at this point. Really? Yeah. I hmm. mean, They've played really well lately. They have, to be fair. I I mean, mean, Drew and Voracek have been out of their minds. Thomas has been sensational of late. I mean, he's been some revelations since January. I mean, he's been one of the best young players in all of hockey. But um, we'll move on from the Peter Morazic trade. I'll go to Nick on this one. Dion Phaneuf for Marion Gabrick, plus Nate Nate Thompson, I believe, also went to, to L.A. in that deal. Ottawa saved some money. They're in a bit of a rebuilding mode right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're a Senators fan, to get rid of Phaneuf's contract, and listen, Gabrick's not great, and he doesn't really have much left in the tank, but any way you could save some money if you're Ottawa, I think is a win. I mean, I think the whole Ottawa franchise is in a bit of a, a mess right now between the Eric Carlson situation going on and um, this trade, just helping trying to get money out. Uh, also with the arena, I mean – I think the entire franchise is a bit of a mess, but in terms of the roster, yes, I think that, you know, that that trade could just help them. Dion Panuff, he gets he gets a new environment too. I think that he could he for the second that. year in a row. Second year in a row, <laughs> but it's a year in between, right? Maybe. I mean, they were looking to shop. They were looking to shop him at the deadline last year, but regardless, mm-hmm. you, you are right. I, I think Phaneuf can be all right in. LA and at least he's a useful player. And so he's, it's he's not right. like he's going to be playing important minutes. Exactly. He'll he'll give you bottom bottom pair minutes and he can help you there. Um but let's get into our rental guys that potentially get moved at the deadline. The big ones are Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, both of the Rangers and Evander Kane and Mike Green. Of the four and potentially some other guys. I know you liked Erica Branson who just signed a 3-year extension with Vancouver, but which one do you like? that could potentially make the biggest impact on a playoff team going forward? Um, Out of those guys you mentioned, I think um, it's probably Green and Kane. Because, I mean, we were talking about before the show started. Throwing shade at the Rangers. We all hate Evander Kane, but he's a very good player, and he'll score you some important goals and get a lot of points for you in a playoff stretch. Um, I think my, my, I mean, Mike Green was an all-star this year. He's a very good defenseman. If you're looking for, for a guy to give you top two minutes, power play minutes, He's your guy. Um, I'm also looking back in Ottawa. I'm looking at Mike Hoffman. I think that he that he'll be a pretty good player for whatever yep. team gets him. He'll play top six minutes, not necessarily a top line guy, but definitely a second line guy, and kind of a guy that it will fly under the radar, but will make somewhat of an impact. Is Thomas Vanek? I was getting, that was yeah. my guy. Uh, yeah, Vanek's had a, he's had a really good season. He has forty Vancouver. points. Yeah, I mean he's, and on, he's like eighty years old. He's on pace for t- <laughs> another twenty-five goal season. Yeah, potentially fifty points. I mean. He's been an option. Hoffman Hoffman obviously is great. I mean, he'd be the best out of those group of guys, like I mentioned. But he does have another year on his contract after this at a very friendly rate. And 
he's one of the better goal scorers in the hockey. I mean, he's got one of the best shots I've ever seen. So that that I would be tough to see Ottawa moving. Nick, Nick, who do you think? Uh, from the players you mentioned, I would say probably Ryan McDonough on the back end probably is going to be a big rental piece for one of the East teams, I would mm-hmm. say. I don't think they're going to move him out West, but, I mean, there's always that potential. But I think a team like Tampa, that could potentially put them over the edge. Tampa's Tampa's the team, I think. That, that's the only realistic option I see for McDonough right mm-hmm. now at this year's deadline. Obviously, all the options open up when you go, if they wait and hold him until draft day next year, or this year, I should say. But in terms of rentals, I mean, I, I, th- I think Michael Grabner's probably the most overlooked piece here. I mean, he's got 25 goals this year, given he does get his fair share of empty netters, but he plays a 200-foot game. He's fast, which every team could use. Every team could use mm-hmm. some extra speed, and he kills penalties at an elite rate. And I'm not going to say him and Rick Nash are similar players because they do it. Their styles are pretty... I mean, they both play 200 feet. They both can score goals, but they do it in different ways, so to speak. Nash is, Nat Grabner's much faster than Rick Nash. But those are the two guys I'd look at that can probably make a potential big impact. I know I might be sounding like a Rangers homer over here, but that's personally what I think from watching from watching Grabner. I mean, he that guy can that you can put him on the fourth line and he'll continue to score. So that that's my big thing there. In terms of surprised players that could get moved, there are there are a few out there that are potential wild cards. We mentioned Carlson before the show where Pierre Dorian comes out and say he's not getting moved unless it's an astronomical offer. Oliver Ekman Larson I don't think eventually gets moved, but there are some options on the table. Is there a guy that could that potentially surprises you that gets moved that's not necessarily a rental, so to speak? Honestly, something that we have that we haven't heard from sellers recently, like in terms of team selling, is Chicago. I feel like any of those players right now, because look, they're not going anywhere. They're they're the bottom of the uh, bottom of the division of the Central. They they're really not going to do anything. Any of those established players could potentially impact the playoff race in a big way. Now, they are bigger contracts. I don't know which teams would be willing to pick those up, especially towards the end of those contracts. But a lot of those Chicago players, they they know the the season's done, the team's done. You could send one of those guys out and have a big impact and get quite a return. Do you think they'd be willing to move Patrick Kane? It depends on what the offer is. I mean, it would have to be like Eric Carlson level. I think it's but more. I think you can get more out of Kane than you can get out of Carlson, honestly. That that would. That's be, interesting because you got to remember Kane's making ten and a half million dollars. I understand year, that, but that's what I mean. Well what team is going to pick up a contract like that? But the team that does is going to get a big reward out of it, and Chicago would get a big reward out of it too. I think a guy that probably hasn't been talked about at all getting moved, but I think could do with the change of scenery is Alexander Wenberg out of Columbus. That that's a really interesting option because he I mean just, you, you look at him a year ago he looked like untouchable. Yeah, and he just doesn't look comfortable in Columbus, which is weird considering he's playing with Cam Atkinson and Artemi Panarin, who he should just be getting assists left and right playing with those guys. But he just doesn't look comfortable there anymore, and his value is down this year. But I think Columbus could still get a lot out of him based on his upside. I mean, his ceiling is so high. He could be your first-line center for for five, six yep. years. And you could easily get a top prospect, first-round pick, whatever you want out of a guy like that. Yeah, that, that. I feel like 
almost his val- his best. You get the most value out of him if you're Columbus by holding on to him and hoping he bounces back next year because at this point you'd be selling pretty low on him. But, I mean, again, he's very young. He just signed a long-term deal. So that's also another hurdle that you have in trading him. But I, I think that's a guy they ultimately hold on to. Quickly, we're running out of time relatively here, but... Which team do you think makes the biggest splash? Personally, I, I want to start with Tampa Bay here because Boston's been on some type of surge here of late, and I personally don't think Steve Eiserman is too happy with the way they've played lately and could look to make a big splash. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be Ryan McDonough, but would a Mike Green be a perfect fit there along with potentially a Rick Nash? Maybe, maybe they go after two rentals. It would cost them a lot, but I, I think this team is really primed to make a big Stanley Cup run if they do add one or two pieces. If they add those two, I think you can just put the names, engrave them right now. I mean, that's just going to put them way over the top, I think. They're so good right now with their top line and their and their goalie situation, defensive situation, that if you were to add even more rental players, I think that would guarantee you the cup they've been looking for that they lost to Chicago that the last time they were in the cup final. They have been struggling lately, but I'm, I mean, in terms of talent, that probably could certainly put them in a I, spot. Well, once they get to the playoffs, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I them. think it's just a matter of they're 60 games in at this point, and some of their guys are tired. I mean, Stamkos hasn't been scoring at the pace he was. He's probably same exhausted now. Kudrov's exhausted. So, yeah, I'm looking at Tampa Bay to make some big moves to solidify their place in the East. Um, a team that I'm looking at to no, I'm not sure if big splash in terms of making a trade, but big splash in terms of staying put. I'm really interested what Vegas does Ooh. because I don't I don't know if they're willing to give up on their future right now to make a cup run. But I think that they could use another another top D man like a McDonough. Maybe move him out to Vegas. See what you can get out of him there. Maybe a Mike Eric Green. Eric return. They do. They have the prospects to move him. You're absolutely right. That I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting spot. I would look for them to move James Neal potentially and be sellers. Nick, what? A, who's your team? I. Well, you mentioned Chicago before as oh, a seller. Is, oh. is there a buyer that you that you maybe like that could potentially move? Maybe a Boston to Nashville. Possibly a Dallas. I would say Nashville's kind of desperate right now, just because they made it to the Cup final last year. You know they want one. They haven't won one yet. And I think they have the pieces. It hasn't come together as much this season uh, because I think everyone's so focused on Tampa and Vegas, especially Vegas out west. But I I think Nashville, if they add the right pieces, do have the potential to make it back again. Interesting. I I do agree there. One team, quickly to wrap this up, that I'll look at, Winnipeg. Since their move to to Winnipeg, they haven't won a playoff Mm -hmm. game. They're only in the playoff once. And even though they got swept by Anaheim, a few years back, I believe it was, that atmosphere was really electric there, and I, I think they're desperate to make a run Give at some point. Give me a D-man that can play alongside Tyler Myers, and that team is golden. Ryan McDonough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> un- unfor- unfortunately, that's uh, all the time we have for today. Really nice show, guys. I uh, really enjoyed doing Good this job, Jackson. Again, I appreciate Good that. Job, Hopefully um, I'll stay promoted, and Matt will stay in his fourth line role. But uh, all jokes aside, next week we'll have our trade deadline recap episode, which should be a blast for sure. So from Nicholas Lehman, from Matt Constantini, I'm Jackson Hyatt. We'll see you next time.